Hello and welcome to episode 30, 30 of the Restoring Human podcast. I am Jerick Bakken. I'm Dr. Alex Chagwell. Oh man, I'm rusty. I would have said the intro part there, then I would have said that. Anyway, uh, here it is. We believe humans were designed to flourish. Unfortunately, many modern conveniences work against our thriving, but through intentional lifestyle decisions, we can return to an optimal state of health. Now I would have said that, and we would continue. I'm still Alex Chagwello. Still here. Cool. Uh, Today, here's the headline. I already put it on there. (coughs) Hormone-based weight loss. What the heck does that mean? We're going to tell you what that means. (laughs) Alex is going to tell you what that means. Uh, The reason we're talking about this, though, is Alex has a special event coming up, and this is the headline of it, correct? Yes, it is. Uh, What are the details on that? Uh, That event will be Monday, uh, February 26th um, at my office, 6 p.m. So I'm hoping it'll last about an hour, most likely go an hour and a half because there will be questions and different things like that. So. Um, but yeah, if you'd like to sign up, we could put a link, I think below here. Yeah. You do do you that. Ha- do you have a sign up on your site for it currently? Uh, no, we have some, I don't know. I, there's a link that you can use. I don't know how that works. We have to talk to Alec about that. Either, either way. Well, if you want to come, you should come. No yeah. matter what. Uh, well, so I only have, I could fit about 30 people in my office. Oh, that's true. Okay. And we have about 24 signed up right now. So. <laughs> Not that all 24 of those are for sure going to come, but those True. are what signed up. True. So if you would like to come, definitely want to sign up quickly. Yeah. So granted, we're going to bring a bunch of that information to you guys right now. But like Alex already said, there's a huge advantage of being face-to-face, being able to ask questions, get direct feedback. Not that you can't do that here because you definitely can. <laughs> and we would definitely take those and welcome them. But having that immediate just conversation, you know, about that stuff. That's that's a huge advantage talking face to face. So anyway, next Monday, right? Uh, no, not, not this coming, this coming Monday, one, but, yeah, but a week from, from now. Yeah, week and a half from now. Mm-hmm. Cool. Uh so w- w- hormone based weight loss. What does that even mean? Yeah, so uh I use those words just to kind of, um, so everybody cares about weight loss, right? That's what most people, if they want to, if they're going to hear some sort of talk about health, it's typically about weight loss, um, which is just a sign of how heavy we've gotten. Pretty much everybody's overweight now. 70% of our country is overweight or obese. Um, but I wanted to, so just so that it wasn't just another talk about weight loss, I put the hormones in there because number one, that is a, a huge part of weight loss, hormones. Mm-hmm. But also so that people weren't seeing, oh, this is, he's just going to tell me to, to eat better and exercise. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, that's going to be part of it. Um, but it, it was the, my way of saying oh, weight loss is so much more um, than just eating less and, and exercising more, Yeah, which is what most people <laughs> think. Um, so it's just kind of speaking against that calories in, calories out model, that energy balance model, mm-hmm. um, but also explaining why that, that can be useful. Um, if you use it the right way, um, but focusing on the hormones. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, right away when I saw that you had posted that, like even me who I, uh, I understand what you mean by it. I understand that's a lot of stuff we're talking about all the time. 
just the the reading that hormone based weight loss even that caused me to say wait a minute what's he talking about oh okay okay i get it that's a good that's a nice little trick there <laughs> yeah and there's tons and tons of hormones that go into it uh, i mean there's hunger hormones there's hormones that uh, regulate your blood sugar there's stress hormones um, sex hormones all those things can play into it i mean so if you were to kind of list out all the hormones that are involved you'd get pretty overwhelmed so I'm going to try to simplify it as much as possible. And really, there's only one hormone that kind of controls all of it anyway. So we're going to focus in on that. And uh, I think for me, and maybe this is just my personality or how I learn things, but if I have an understanding of how something's working, um, I'm going to be more motivated. I'm going to be able to stick to it um, and at least take action on it a lot better than if I don't understand it and somebody just tells me what to do. So, of course, I'm going to be giving them action steps, right? What to actually do, how to make it practical. But there's going to be some understanding behind it mm -hmm. as well. So, and I think we're going to get into some of that today. Here's here's an interesting piece about that. I was listening to another show and, well, it was my favorite show. Well, here, this is perfect. This is my, my favorite uh, CrossFit podcast. Um, and the guy, most recent guest they had on, they were talking, he's a gym owner. They were talking about um, brand new clients, brand new people at the gym. And he was saying how, just, he was talking about just kind of what he does with brand new people who are coming in, who granted, almost everybody's walking in the door. If they don't have any type of athletic background, they're walking in the door because they want to lose weight. Um, he says, by at the latest <clears throat> by the second session he will have at least gone over with them and make sure they have an understanding of what is fat what is carbohydrates and what is protein and if he accomplishes that no matter if they like end up being there for 60 days or they're lifelong members. He knows that you've just changed the trajectory of how they're going to live out the rest of their life with that understanding. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, that's the whole thing of knowledge is power. You know, people are going to be equipped to do stuff if you just give them as much knowledge as possible. Yeah. Um, but it's the people that are going to be constantly filling themselves with that knowledge, even if they have to hear something a thousand times. Those are going to be the ones that are the most successful. So that's why, of course, listen to the podcast. But also those events, you know, like we're doing on the 26th, are, those are huge for people. Just constantly filling yourself, relearning mm -hmm. things and learning new things, taking new things from the talk, even though you've heard it a bunch. Those are the people that are going to be successful. Yeah. So I'm assuming that when you say hormone-based weight loss, the first thing that pops into my head is I'm assuming you're going to be talking about insulin, mm -hmm. the the what you just said, though, was that there's a bunch of other stuff. It, am I wrong in thinking that insulin is what you're going to be talking about? Is there some other big parts of that? That 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 basically is the extent of my knowledge. When you say hormones, weight loss, insulin is the one thing I'm thinking of. Yeah, so that's going to be the main focus, insulin, because insulin is kind of the dominant hormone in the body, specifically when it comes to metabolism. Um, why we burn fat or why we burn sugar, why we would lose weight, basically, is all really determined by insulin. Um, but there's other hormones that, so um, there's a hormone called ghrelin 
that basically lets you know when you're hungry. Mm -hmm. um, that gets produced. So if that is thrown off, then you are going, so like if you're producing ghrelin all the time, then you're always going to be hungry. Um, there's a hormone called leptin that tells you you're not hungry, basically. does some other things, but that's one of its functions. So if that's thrown off, then you're, you're not going to be, your body's not going to know um, when you're not hungry mm -hmm. anymore, right? So kind of those two things combined, one's telling you to eat because you're hungry, one's not letting you t know when you're not hungry, so you're also going to eat. So you're just going to continue to be filling yourselves with unnecessary nutrients, which is then potentially just going to lead to weight gain specifically if insulin is is uh, playing a factor as well so um there's a bunch of different things going on there so we'll hit on those other ones we'll hit on ghrelin hit on leptin we'll hit on cortisol stress hormone which could also throw this all off um but the main one is is really having an understanding of insulin um so like last year when i did this um i called it an insulin friendly diet or insulin friendly lifestyle okay is what we talked about. So what are the things that you can do with your lifestyle to keep insulin under control? Because if you can't do that, then there's no way that you can, can lose weight. And when I say weight, I mean fat, right? Nobody really wants to lose weight. They want to lose fat off of their body. <laughs> they want to be lean. Um, you know, they might want to lose weight to win some sort of contest, but if that's a bunch of water and, and other um, tissue in your body, like muscle, then that you haven't become healthier. So we don't want to do any of that. We want to really tell you. When I always say lose weight the right way, lose weight the healthy way, that's because we're losing fat off of our body. Sure. Because we don't want that to to stay there because that's going to cause problems down the road. Sure. So is it safe to say that all those other hormones are going to be tied to how we are uh, – I, I don't even know how to phrase this. Tyler. We've got a little help here. Uh, how we are, um, how insulin is being produced and responded to, that's going to directly correlate to these other hormones or? Um, some direct. Somewhat. Uh, but a lot of it's also indirect. Like the things that would cause you to have problems with insulin would also cause you to have, so just lifestyle okay. choices okay. that are going to cause you to have problems with insulin would also cause you to have problems with leptin and ghrelin and, and those other things. So so what you're saying more so is if our primary focus is on insulin, realistically, this other stuff is going to balance out as well. Yeah. Yeah. And again, just to try to keep it as simple as possible. The things that you need to do to get insulin under control are also going to be the things that you would need to do to get leptin and ghrelin and those things under Got control. It. So it's not like you have to do this particular lifestyle, make this particular lifestyle choice to get leptin, and then you got to make another one to get ghrelin under uh -huh. control. It's uh -huh. just if you do the right things to get insulin under control, then those other things should work themselves out. If they're not, then we have to look at something else. So that's why I'm still talking about them because I'll mention those other things that potentially could happen. One of them would just be toxicity. Like we can do all the lifestyle, um, like eating well and exercising yeah. and those type of things to address insulin. But if we're highly toxic, then that potentially could also throw off those other hormones. Yeah. Cortisol, leptin, ghrelin. So we'll, t we'll hit on that. But again, I'm trying to keep it as simple as possible that things are going to work for, you know, 80, 90% of the people. Um, what we're going to be talking about then and, you know, why we're talking about insulin should help that many people. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely interested in understanding cortisol better mm -hmm. um especially as it pertains to exercise um 
sorry, that's sitting right there. If you sell it, um, <laughs> sorry, we've got a uh, shout out to, to what's do you have a official brand name, Tyler? Ties T Y S photos. Anyway, Tyler's here jacking around with the camera. So Tyler uh, helped us with our first few podcast shows, but then Jarek told him he had to change his lifestyle if he was going to help us. So. <laughs> He's back, so apparently that means it. Back on track here. So cortisol, I'm I'm interested in that, but um, what's the what's the flyover with insulin? Like, what's 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 the deal with it? Yeah, so uh, insulin is a storage hormone. So basically when we bring um, energy storage in the form of fat and carbohydrates, so those are the two basic forms of energy that we get through our food. When we bring those into our body, insulin wants to store those things, um, which is smart because we might, again, not happening really anymore, but a long time ago, there might be times where we didn't have any form of energy, right? We couldn't find food. So energy or insulin is like, I'm going to store that in my body in case I need it later on. Um, so if we're eating things all the time, then insulin's always wanting to store those things. So why somebody would store a lot of fat on their body is because they're eating a lot of carbohydrates combined typically with, with a lot of fat. Those things are then getting stored on their body. Um, but the other thing insulin does is because it is a storage hormone, it cuts off our ability to use fat for energy. So we can't burn fat anymore mm -hmm. when insulin levels are high because, again, it wants to store that fat for later on. So it's never going to burn it. So if we're our lifestyle is set up in a way that we're always having insulin high, then the fat's never going to come off of our body. You know, we can work our butt off in the gym. We can, you know, take all the latest weight loss pill. We can do all these different things. But if insulin is always high, then... There's, it's impossible to burn fat. You might lose a little bit of weight because you're losing water weight. Again, you might maybe burning other tissues. Um, maybe there's kind of spikes where insulin's low because of what you've done with your diet and exercise. Mm -hmm. But if the lifestyle is generally not set up to keep insulin levels low, you're never going to burn fat off of your body. Sure. So that's kind of the, the overview of why you really want to keep insulin at bay. But, I mean, j because it's specific to weight loss, um, the reason why things like obesity and, and just even being overweight why those people have higher risks of cancer, heart disease, Alzheimer's, diabetes, all those things is because of insulin resistance. So the, the more you spike insulin, the more it stays high, you're just on your way to insulin resistance because um, insulin causes insulin, high insulin causes insulin resistance. So now you're setting yourself up not only to be overweight and obese, but potentially for much worse things down the road, which obviously nobody wants to, to have happen to them. And briefly explain insulin resistance mm -hmm. so um, again insulin takes energy from the blood so let's just talk about sugar because everybody knows insulin's related to diabetes mm -hmm. right so somebody that's called a type 1 diabetic their body has lost its ability to produce insulin so they have to they are given insulin typically through a shot or through some sort of a um, they have these machines that just pump insulin into them. This is this is type one. Type one diabetes. Yep. 
um, which is an autoimmune disease. Right. Basically, okay. the body attacked cells in our pancreas that make insulin, so now we can't produce it anymore. Um, so if they didn't have that insulin, then they would have high, when they ate something, specifically a carbohydrate, the sugar would be really high in their blood um, because they don't have insulin to grab it and take it out. So insulin's role is to take that sugar out of the blood, put it into our cells, so then we can use it for, for energy. Mm -hmm. To, of course, prevent diabetes, but, I mean, that's just something that's happened to us because we've, we've eaten um, a bunch of sugar and then people had the autoimmune disease. Um, but specifically, be so we can use that stuff for energy, that's, energy's, or that's insulin's role is, again, store, store energy. Mm -hmm. um, when we eat a lot of that, when we eat a lot of sugar, and sugar's always in our blood, insulin always has to get produced. So insulin's always on the job of taking sugar out of the blood and trying to put it into the cells. But basically, as cells just get full of fat, of sugar, they don't want any more. They don't want any more storage, right? They say, no, I don't want any, any glucose to be stored. I don't want any fat to be stored. So the whole way that insulin brings sugar into the cells is it puts off these receptors, like little arms that grab a hold of the sugar and then bring it into the cell. What the cell will do is bring those, it will retract those arms so that you can't, so insulin can't put it into the cell anymore. So now insulin's trying to come with the sugar molecule, put it into the cell and looking for receptors, but there's no receptors anymore. So that's what insulin resistance is. Your cells have become resistant to trying to get sugar into the, into the cell. Insulin can't work anymore. That's freaking complicated crap. <laughs> it's not that complicated. So, so, <clears throat> okay. So, I, I, granted, I, I feel like I have a little grasp on this enough, enough to understand, okay, why am I going to behave differently on a daily basis? Now, what, what is that behavior that's going to put me in an optimal place with insulin. Yeah, so just starting with what we're putting in our body. Again, insulin is uh, wants to take energy and store it. So if we are decreasing the overall the amount of energy potentially, then that's going to keep insulin low. Um, so if we're eating too many calories in general. Sure, and so let me, let me interject here. I think... That's probably why when people just go on a calorie restricted diet, like it's you're you're going to affect insulin in some degree. Mm -hmm. And I think what we're trying to push for is I it's clear that the whole calories in, calories out, balancing this, exercise more, eat less, like we are resisting that. If if never mind. It's gonna make it terrible diabetes joke uh we're definitely resisting that in saying there is a better way to get to that point yeah right yeah okay yeah so the, just the calorie restriction in general most likely reduces insulin um, because when you're restricting calories as long as you're not just completely restricting fat um, you're also going to be restricting protein and restricting carbohydrates, which those are the two main things that spike insulin. From what is your previous like baseline. Right, right. So yeah, just restricting calories in general can be helpful. But like as I just said, the two um, macronutrients that people have heard us talk about before that really raise insulin are carbohydrates raise it the most. Mm -hmm. um, 
because carbohydrates break down into glucose and insulin's one of insulin's main job is to grab that glucose from the sh- from this bloodstream and put it into the cells. But protein also spikes insulin. Fat doesn't really spike insulin at all. Um, so that's why, you know, the whole high fat, low carb diets mm-hmm. um, are so effective at weight loss is because primarily it controls insulin so well. So that's kind of the nutrition part of it. Um, so what to eat from a nutrition aspect anyway. Then there's the whole of when to eat. Yeah. Okay. Good. That that's is, exactly what I was going to ask you about. Okay. That is also important. So again, um, unless you're just eating coconut oil and butter all the time, when you're eating, you're most likely going to have some carbohydrates in your, in your meal. You're going to have some protein in your meal. And of course you're going to have some fat. So that's perfectly fine. But when you eat, insulin goes up. If you eat again an hour later, two hours later, insulin hasn't had a chance to go back down. Mm -hmm. So when you eat again, you're just spiking it again. So that's the whole thing of fasting or just limiting your, your um, food intake to three, two, two, three meals a day. Mm -hmm. You're taking a longer amount of time in between meals so that insulin can spike, pulsate, and then go back down, which is what we want. Yeah. Um, So those are kind of the two main things that you need to do is what you're eating, when you're eating. Um, Of course, everybody wants to hear about nutrition anyway. So that's where the bulk of my talk will be about is those two things. Yeah. But there's plenty of other things that can help you. Um, so we did our last podcast on exercise and kind of motivation behind exercise. Exercise is huge for this whole thing of keeping insulin low. doesn't necessarily, um, bring insulin down, but what it does is increases your cells sensitivity to insulin. So we talked about the insulin resistance. Sure. Um, if your cells can take in insulin, then, um, then insulin's not going to be a a huge problem. The other thing that exercise does, if you're doing it the right way, is you should be building muscle. And muscle is kind of just a a sink for glucose. Right. So even if you are eating the wrong things, if you have more muscle, the glucose is going to go inside the cells. And that doesn't actually require insulin. Um, So most of the time, how energy gets into the cell is insulin brings it there. But if you have a high amount of muscle cells, then those muscle cells can bring sugar into them without insulin. So the more muscle you have, the more insulin sensitive you should be, um, which is going to decrease the the main detrimental effect of high insulin, which is insulin resistance. Um, but also you're not going to have to spike insulin as much because muscle, the sugar that you are eating is going into your cells right mm-hmm. away instead of staying in your bloodstream. So that's probably the mechanism behind when people well actually let's just take austin for an example he probably eats way more even way more than you and i and especially way more than you know a smaller female who might be one of his clients who looks at him and says oh my gosh you eat so much yeah but like he's a bigger dude he's got more muscle mass like his body is able to use what he's eating more efficiently mm-hmm. yeah because he's most likely very insulin sensitive. And that could be genetics too. I mean, he talked about how he was just a really skinny kid yeah. growing up. Yeah. So that was most likely because his body was insulin sensitive. Mm-hmm. So um, that would mean, so like a potato is going to spike blood sugar. It might spike your blood sugar more so than it would spike my blood sugar. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot of due to sh- genetics. Mm-hmm. Um, so if he was already genetically more insulin sensitive and then he's done a lot of work to make his body even more insulin sensitive, now he can go 30 days and eat Chick-fil-A. <laughs> 
most likely not have as many problems as other people are going to have. I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought the genetics into this. So, like, I don't know. I've never been genetically tested. Have you ever done a genetic? Uh, hmm. a, a, you're not supposed to call it a test. You're supposed to call it like a gotten, gotten your genetic information because it's not something that changes, obviously. Hmm. Um, anyway, I don't know what the proper term is. Um, but what? <laughs> I've always heard called genetic testing. Really? Okay, whatever. Um, just going out on a limb, I probably, as a baseline out of the womb, I probably was less insulin sensitive, more insulin resistance than you. Just naturally, looking at your childhood, looking at my childhood, like we know it's out there. My story is I was much heavier and like... I don't think you've ever intentionally tried to lose weight a day in your life. No. So just because I'm genetically probably wired up to be further on this end of the spectrum, that like I'm not doomed because of it. Right. Our The expression of those genes can vary greatly from lifestyle decisions right which is that whole epigenetics part mm -hmm. of it um if you so the way you're living now you're becoming more insulin sensitive you're passing that on to future generations so then how you said you're going to be you were born more insulin resistant the hope would be as you've changed your lifestyle you're ac actually turning on the genes that are then getting passed on so that your children grandchildren they mm -hmm. should like you said, out of the womb, be more insulin sensitive than insulin resistant. So yeah, it's 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 powerful. Those just the lifestyle um, changes, even though there are some genetic factors that go into it. Um, it just means that you have to do more so, live a better lifestyle than others, which some people complain about. It, which I mean, that is something probably to complain about a little bit, but it doesn't mean you can't do anything about it. You know, so yeah, no, I'm. <laughs> it's like life life quest for my grandchildren to be as insulin sensitive as possible <laughs> that's right <laughs> that's cool so yeah we hit on the exercise and um so that's why you exercise right i mean there's plenty of other good reasons to exercise but it's not about burning calories um you don't go into the gym to to burn a bunch of calories because you've eaten this you've eaten 1500 calories so if you don't get to the gym and burn 2000 then you're never going to lose weight yeah it really has nothing to do with yeah burning calories it's I'm exercising in a way to increase sensitivity to insulin um, for longer-term health, right? Again, there's a bunch of other reasons, but specifically for weight loss. If you say, hey, I know I have to exercise if I'm going to lose weight, really the reason you're doing that is because you're trying to make your body more insulin-sensitive mm -hmm. and not insulin-resistant mm -hmm. so that your body can utilize nutrients better um, than what they are currently when you're not exercising you so fatty acid oxidation the fat on your body if that's ever going to be burned off it's not because you're exercising a ton and burning calories it's because you're exercising you've become more insulin sensitive now insulin's low and now your body can access the fat for energy mm -hmm. oh that's good i remember i know i've said this before but when i had the apple watch and i was tracking all this stuff the first few times that i like tracked workouts specifically and like compared that then to also I think I was probably I was probably like tracking my food at the same time and seeing you know this very small piece of the pie of what I'm actually doing 
during that, you know, granted, a lot of times we might work out for 10 minutes in a day, (laughs) that type of thing. What I'm burning in those 10 minutes was this tiny little piece of this overall picture. And looking at that, you're like, there's, there's gotta be more happening here. Like than just this tiny little math equation. Right. Like it doesn't make sense. I, at that point I'd already experienced so much change that to see that small piece of this equation being what I thought was this massive piece, which arguably it is. Yeah. It just looking at it logically didn't make, didn't make any sense. Right. And there's plenty of studies out there that have shown that over and over again. I mean, you can just look at the studies on artificial sweeteners, which don't have any calories in them. Mm. People mm-hmm. drinking that sort of um, soda, the diet soda versus people drinking regular soda. They lose about the same amount of weight or don't lose any weight, um, even though this person's taking in way more, way less calories than the people that are drinking actual soda are taking calories. There's also a study done in um, Italy, maybe, where they gave the people an extra thousand calories of olive oil on top of just what they were eating mm-hmm. um, and they didn't gain any more weight than the people that weren't taking the th- thousand calories of, of olive oil. Why? Because it's a fat and it's not spiking insulin. So they were still able to keep their insulin levels under control and able to utilize that fat for energy. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, so there's all kinds of studies that, that show this. Yeah. So you're at one point we did an episode specifically on fat and ketosis and this stuff and I had made a comment. I probably exaggerated in my comment, um, but your brother had asked a question about um, uh, when you're burning fat for fuel, that that calorie balance basically not making sense in the equation, the math equation of what are the calories that you're consuming and what does the scale say and how are those things correlating. And so I remembered that study that you had referenced, but then also um, I saw this a few weeks ago. It was Dave Asprey, the Bulletproof guy, talking about going for, I think he said he went for like, I don't know if it was like six months or if it was something up to like two years or something, where he was daily eating, I think it was like 4,500 calories and super low body fat percentage shredded like and maintaining that you know um so i think i probably said something (laughs) that alluded to way more than that but like 4500 calories that's a going off of a typical i don't know if there's a chart you can go look at what they would say 4500 calories a day supports in a body mass yeah that's going to be huge yeah i just heard this is crazy and this will kind of hopefully segue into the next thing i was going to talk about with insulin but michael phelps yeah they said that he would eat 10 to 20 12 10 to 12,000 calories a day um and obviously you've seen him he's completely lean and almost skinny really yeah. um so they're like man he just works that hard in the pool he's there for five six hours so that's how many calories he's burning but then when they had people come and look at it, he it was not even 50% of his work capacity was equaling that amount of calories. Sure. So he was taking in all this energy and only burning about half to 60, 70% at the most of it. 
So they're like, how in the world is this working out? Why is he not just completely obese mm-hmm. with doing that? And there's a couple of different reasons. One of them is because of his diet, not spiking insulin a ton. So his body was always utilizing fat for energy and, yep. and burning it off. Um, but the second one was this um, being exposed to cold. Yeah. And what it does is, so this is kind of confusing and and. I don't even know if I should go too deep into this. I definitely, I, I want to know more about this, but I definitely don't know a lot. So there's these two types of fat in our body. There's what's called white adipose tissue and then brown adipose tissue. So the brown adipose tissue is really like baby fat. That's why babies are so fat. They have all this brown adipose tissue. And it really, its main role, they don't know much about it yet, but the main role is just to keep us warm. Mm-hmm. Um, so it gets activated to um, just warm us. So... You want brown adipose tissue, of course, but it's kind of in our thoracic region um, around around organs and different things like that. So then white white adipose tissue is the subcutaneous stuff. So that's if people have fat on their arms and fat on their butt and fat on their gut, those type of things. Um, so what they found with him, at least with the conclusion that they came with, is that the water was so cold that he was swimming in. In order for his body to maintain its core temperature, mm-hmm. he was just activating all this brown fat. And that's what was utilizing all hmm. of that energy that he was putting into his body. Interesting. So it's taking that much energy to keep his body warm. And that's why he was never putting on any sort of weight combined with the insulin, you know, right. keeping insulin at, at did, bay. Did they show um, like what he was actually eating at all? No, nah, I, I didn't. On this interview that I was listening to there, he talked about it. They didn't talk about his diet, but I've read stuff before where he just eats a ton of stuff. He eats like four pounds of bacon and, and a dozen eggs and he eats a ton of stuff every single day. I mean, I mean, it's pretty clean. Yeah. I mean, he's not going to, you know, McDonald's 15, 15 times a day to get to there. I mean, he's eating, um, real food. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's still a ton. Stuff. So back to the cold stuff. So this is another way of becoming less or more insulin, um, sensitive because if you're if you're activating this brown fat, then that's going to use a lot of the energy instead of it getting stored on your body into the into the white adipose tissue. Mm-hmm. But then they also um, have found out that even the white fat can act like brown fat when it's exposed to cold. Um, uh, so they call it beijing, uh, basically white fat looking more like brown. And the reason it looks the reason they call it brown clever name. The reason they call it brown <laughs> fat is because it just has way more mitochondria and oh. it actually looks more brown. So the white fat doesn't have as much. So if you're doing like cold exposure, then you're going to produce more mitochondria even than the huh. white fat and it becomes more like the brown fat. You can't ever turn it completely into brown fat, but it starts to act more and more like it. Um, so that's why, you know, people diving into super cold water or the recommendation of taking cold showers instead of warm showers. Uh-huh. The problem is they just haven't really done as enough research to know it has to be this temperature and you have to be there this long yeah. to get the effect. They just know that exposing yourself to, to that side. And it's all back to, I believe in my mind, what we talk about frequently is ex- exposing yourself adaptation. to something stressful mm-hmm. and then your body has to respond is uh, most likely why that's, why that's the case. Yeah. So, Cold stuff, if you want to dive into it, Wim Hof, W-I-M, I think it's probably H-O-F-F, I don't know. He's one guy who is, like, his, I think they nickname him the Iceman. Okay. Uh, he's the guy who, he like, I know he's done a bunch of different challenges of 
being outside, being in like a container and being literally outside in the snow, then being in a container filled with like ice or cold water or just like crazy, crazy stuff. And he's, I think he's developed some type of like, as I take a deep breath, some type of breathing exercises and stuff to, you know, figure out how to do that and progressions of yeah. being in cold longer and all that kind of stuff. So I've not spent a ton of time looking into his stuff, but I know he's one guy who like, that's his, that's his thing. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of the, so the exercise and the, and the when to eat, what to eat are the three main things that I'll be covering. And because those are the three most important. And then this cold exposure thing is kind of a, a I don't even know what to call it. It's a smaller benefit um, it's not like you could not do those other things and then just expose yourself to cold all the time, all the time, make it happen. So those are, um, I guess, to a smaller degree, going to help you. But what else would fit into that is sleep. So if you're not sleeping very well, then circadian rhythm is going to be off, and that's where the cortisol thing comes in. Yeah, you're going to be producing um, just abnormal levels of of cortisol, the stress hormones, um, which can also just you know, increase insulin. You know, so because it's putting more sugar, basically. What cortisol does is put sugar into your blood because it thinks I need to run away or I need to fight back. So I need energy right now. Mm. Um, so insulin's going to say, well, I don't want the sugar in my blood. I'm going to use it for energy. So if you're always in a chronic state of stress, then you're always putting sugar in your bloodstream and insulin's always saying, I want to take it out. So you're just eventually going to become more and more insulin resistant. Um, the other thing is gut health. So if you have what's called dysbiosis, or too much bad bacteria in your gut, not enough good bacteria in your gut, that also affects hormones, which can then also make you insulin resistant or hyperinsulinemic. Um, so those are some smaller things that we won't spend a ton of time on, but we'll obviously address because they're important. Yeah. Yep. Cool. Uh, I So after you left the gym this morning, I had a couple ladies who were asking me about... <laughs> their primary question was about ketosis. Mm -hmm. um, and well, in their mind, it was this, it's like a fad right now, like the mm -hmm. keto diet, like whatever. And so I told them, I was like, yeah, I, I think everybody could, should be in some sort of state of ketosis almost every single day. Um, and a lot of that is tied into this, having those low insulin so maybe that's a good question how how are insulin and ketones related yeah um first of all i would agree with those ladies that most people get into ketosis or want to do the ketogenic diet because it is a fad right <laughs> they're never going to continue doing it um i think all the benefits that people talk about with a ketogenic diet most of them are everything that I've just explained. Right. The reason right. that ketogenic diet is benefit beneficial is because it, it keeps insulin levels low. Mm -hmm. Why? Because the basics behind a ketogenic diet is it's super high fat, super low carbohydrate, mm -hmm. moderate protein. So you're not going to be putting things in your body that are going to really raise insulin. So most of the benefits from it come from just keeping insulin levels under control. Mm -hmm. There are some benefits to just having ketones in your body um, because you're not giving your body carbohydrates, which are breaking down into sugar. Um, your body is able to utilize these ketones now um, for you know your brain and um, just for energy in general as opposed to, to using the sugar. Um, 
the problem is, is people hear ketones and they say, well, I'm just going to make a supplement that I can give somebody and they'll just get into ketosis right away. Um, yeah, when you take those ketone supplements, it does produce ketones. So you might pee on a stick and see that you actually have ketones in your body. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean your body's using them. And I don't think there's been a ton of research yet about it, but just thinking about biochemistry, if insulin is high, we've already talked about insulin stores energy. Yeah. So ketones are a form of energy. So if your insulin levels are high and you're taking ketones, it, you're not going to use them. The body's going to say, no, I'm not going to use this. I'm going to store these for later. So now you've just broken them down into something that can be stored as fat on your body. Typically. Yeah. Yeah. So that's, that's why probably one of the first guys to do this, the bulletproof actual the brain octane oil is one of those things that's going to help you produce ketones, correct? Mm-hmm. And so one of like the prescription with that is you're essentially fasting, drinking that in this fasted state that's only fat, helping you produce ketones. You, you're, you're, you know, ideally if you're doing this rhythmically, daily, that type of thing, you're in this state that is glycogen's depleted and now you are kind of assisting that process that's already happening because you are fasting and because you're already like doing things on one end that are pushing you in this direction it's kind of like an extra push yeah right yeah absolutely um you know so you want like i said that's the the main benefits of the diet are is because of low insulin levels but then there's also these other benefits that they're still researching, brain health, and mm-hmm. mitochondrial health, prevention of cancer, and all those different things. So that actually comes from the ketone itself. So if you are doing the work to get to ketosis, but then you're also throwing on something on top of it to pr- help you produce ketones, mm-hmm. like an MCT oil or, mm-hmm. or his product, brain, brain octane yeah. or something, or just you know exogenous ketones, mm-hmm. um, then you're going to get, you're going to experience all those other benefits. Yeah. Um, but if you're not doing the first part of it, you're not going to experience any of those benefits because you're not able to use those. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Man, uh, I were, I didn't actually set out to cut this off at 30 minutes, but I had that in the back of my mind. We're at like 45 now. I feel like I could keep talking. Um, but we're at 45 minutes, pretty close 40 something. Um, Maybe maybe I'll just say save it for the talk. Go to the talk. <laughs> yeah. Um, hey, real quick, let's do. Uh, I don't know how long this should take, so cut me off if it's going to take too long. Okay. One of the Can one of the things that we episode. hear. Well, we could do that too. I could cut it after the fact. What's that? Whatever. Oh, okay. Continue. <laughs> that means I got to look at you the whole time. <laughs> so one of the things that people, especially performance type or people that just want to build muscle. Uh, get stronger because we know that that's a benefit for health and and healthy aging. They say, well, I'm not going to do the fasting or I don't even really want to keep insulin levels low because insulin um, helps protein synthesis. So if I'm going to build muscle, then I need some insulin because it helps protein get into the cells to be able to to utilize it. Um, So you shouldn't really be fasting or you shouldn't be keeping your carbohydrates low because it's not really a good thing to, to reduce insulin. I haven't found that to be the case. Just the, the research that I've done and, and people 
can explain this way better than me of why that's not the case. But just even personally, mm-hmm. um, when I've done times of, I've been intermittent fasting for over a year, probably a year and a half now. Mm-hmm. Um, and I continue to get stronger. And even when I'm not actually lifting weights like I want to, I still am able to maintain my strength, even though I'm, I have huge bouts of fasting. Mm-hmm. So I just told you this morning that I'm in oh the yeah, middle of a, a longer water fast. If you'd eaten anything. <laughs> no, this is the first thing I've done. So this is tea. Um, I, it was straight green tea, and it tasted awful. So I was like, well, let me try the bulletproof tea. So I put butter and coconut oil into this, oh. blended it up, and it's still terrible. No. <laughs> <laughs> but I've at least taken in some calories. But again, it's fat, so it's not spiking insulin. So uh-huh. I'm still going to get the benefits of fasting. Um, but I've worked out twice within the last 33 hours, um, not having taken in any nutrients at all. I've just drank water. Um, and I didn't experience any sort of, I, the, I would say the best guy at our gym yesterday, I beat him by five seconds on the workout. Um, and he eats all the time and he doesn't, he doesn't necessarily eat too healthy though. So maybe he would have beat me if he, if he did some fasting too. Um, but then I was able to not even the 24 hour break, I was able to come back this morning and do a heavy, heavy deadlifts. Uh And I wasn't where I would want to be, but that's, I wouldn't say that's necessarily because I'm not eating anything. I haven't been where I want to be with deadlift for a while. Um, just because of an injury to my back. Um, so yeah, just kind of, a some anecdotal evidence Mm -hmm. of saying, even if you do this, if you keep insulin levels low, you're not going to lose performance. You're not going to lose strength. Even, um, you're still going to able to be able to build muscle and build strength even if you're doing this stuff. Yeah. So we, yeah, we, I made a comment to you about a certain workout that you should really test and it's more getting into like the actual energy systems that are being used yeah. to perform and yeah there's some <laughs> he's on there responding to you <laughs> uh, what was it six seconds you beat you beat me by five seconds yeah whatever uh he's on there talking crap to you now i'm i'm glad he's listening wow <laughs> nice work um <laughs> Yeah, I, hey, I said you're the best guy at our gym. At least take yeah, that. Yeah, you missed that comment. Um, yeah, never mind. We could we could go on about this forever. Uh, although while we were doing this, I realized we better just invite Tyler to come help us all the time because he has to sit here and listen to what we're saying. Yeah. So, <laughs> all right. Um, as always, brought to you by Great River Family Chiropractic. If you're not going to go to the talk, you should go to the talk. Uh, you can always go to greatriverfamilychiropractic.com slash restoringhuman and sign up for a free chiropractic consultation. Also, if you are interested in chiropractic, you have an event this coming Monday, uh-huh. correct? Um, that there's free dinner involved with that. Definitely hop on that real quick if you want to know more about chiropractic um shoot us a message we'll we can take care of that but then also we've got this hormone based he's laughing now hormone based weight loss next the following monday 26th 26th at great river family chiropractic i've said that too many times in the last 60 seconds that's all for this week thank you this is like i feel like this 
topic is what's like on my mind all the time. Yeah. So get used to it. <laughs> We're going to keep talking about it. Cool. Thank you. Catch you later.